And uh, this week I've got the stage all by myself. Last week I got to share it with our Sierra Leone team, and, and that was a good time sharing it with those people. And, and uh, I do want to share some Sierra Leone news with you this morning. Some of that is good, and some of it actually is troubling, but I do want to share that with you today. Uh, last week we talked about how there are kids in our church in Moyamba, Sierra Leone, and, and, uh, and we said we will make cards of them and so that you could pray for them. And some of you already today have grabbed those. We printed those late last week, and uh, so some of you have picked those up after the service today. Go up there, and I think Ray and Peyton and Susan will have uh, pictures of some of the women and the kids to be praying for. And uh, there's not a whole lot sometimes we can do, but we can talk to God Almighty on their behalf and ask uh, Him to grow them and watch over them and bless them. And so I want you to take part in that if God has put that on your heart. Some of you have already done that. You have in your hand right now, some of you, uh, a card of some of those kids. And so that is good news. I do want to share with you some troubling news, though. And I uh, say it with a little bit of a heavy heart. I, I, Monday morning, I got a call from our pastor, Patrick, uh, and he had sent me some texts and, and uh, finally got a hold of me and said, Scott, terrible news. I'm like, I'm tired of terrible news from Sierra Leone, but it's just the way it is in this third world country. He said, our associate pastor, Pastor Samuel, passed away. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, he got sick, and there wasn't much we could do, and he passed away on us. And I'm just, really? So I shared this with Susan and Peyton and Adam and and Ray, and and was there anybody else on our team? Somebody else. Uh, Just, this is tough news. And, uh, And I wanted to share that with you, because our church in Sierra Leone is grieving today. Patrick had to stand in front of the church, and... And many of them knew this, but here was a man who had just received a promotion in his work. Um, he had just, he'd been planning in two years retiring from the military, and, uh, and then from then on, uh, uh, pastoring another church. And yet, God had some other plans in store. And so we get this news that uh, Samuel gets sick, passes away pretty immediately, and leaves behind a wife and five kids. And so I would like us to be praying for them um, because our brothers and sisters over there, they are meeting today with heavy hearts. And and they've been meeting seven hours ago um, with heavy hearts. As I was sharing that first service, I saw somebody come in and talk to Chris and somebody, and I didn't know what was going on. I found out after uh, the first service, but... As Pastor Mike shared earlier, Jerry Weber, one of our members in our church who was serving coffee, he wasn't feeling good and kind of passed out or something. His heart rate dropped considerably. We were able to call 911. They picked him up during first service. And so he's at the hospital right now. I don't know the status other than 911 took him away. Um, And so I would like to pray for Jerry and his wife, Carol, as well. And it just made me think, when we get sick, we do have this advantage of calling 911 and having somebody, and maybe some, well, if they could have called 911 there, maybe he'd be with us. And, And I don't understand why God allows us in this country and in this setting that we get to have medical attention like that, and some people don't, but... 
Life is bigger than this body and this present age, isn't it? So I'm just going to ask that you pray with me for Jerry and Carol, but for our church in Moyamba as well as they have heavy hearts today. Would you pray with me one last time before we open God's word? Heavenly Father, um, I don't get a lot of things, and yet your word says, my ways aren't your ways is what you said. Um, Our thoughts aren't yours. And so I I just have to trust that the God of the universe is in control. Uh, I do, with my brothers and sisters here, we lift up our brothers and sisters in Moyamba who have a heavy heart for the five kids who uh, lost their dad all of a sudden, for Mrs. Toure who lost her husband and lost the income in the family and, and all of that. We just ask God that you provide for them in a mighty way. And as we look at the words of Jesus today, God, would you help them to have extra special significance for us as we consider life and death? I mean, first service, I was saying, I just don't know how much time any of us have. And while I'm saying that, Jerry's being rushed to the hospital. And we really don't know how much time we have. And so help us, even as we open your word today, to know Jesus Christ in a greater way. And I pray for Jerry as he's at the hospital. And I ask God that you be gracious to him and to Carol. And that you give the doctors wisdom to care for him. But I know that in all things Jerry is in your hand. I know that this church, these people are in your hands. I know that the church in Moyamba is in your hands. And I thank you for being the good shepherd. And for that we can trust you. And so just help us. To know when peace like a river attendeth our way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever our lot, you are teaching us to say it is well with our soul because you are in control. And so we thank you for being our loving God, our good shepherd. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Well, we will continue this morning in our Lent series, and with the little bit of sobriety there, I, I, that can be good for us to grab our attention and just say, life is short, so let us pursue Jesus all the more. Our series entitled, I Want to Know Christ, and this is what I would want for me and for each of you, that we would know Christ even greater as we leave here today. There's great value in knowing Him. Great value because there are troubles that you're going to encounter, and there's an eternity that each of us is going to face, and the key is to know Christ. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 14. I want to show you a few great truths from John chapter 14 today. So open your Bible, get your tablet there, whatever you are doing, but get to John chapter 14, page 901 if you're using this Bible sitting in front of you. Our theme passage is this uh, passage found in Philippians chapter 3. I want to show you this again on the screen. It's on your notes, and I would hope that you would make this a priority to memorize this, meditate on it. Uh, I've been just reciting it every day uh, just to get this deep into my heart, and I hope that you would do the same. But let's do this. Let's passionately, and I mean passionately, read this together, please. Ready? Begin. I want to know Christ 
and the power of his resurrection and to share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. In fact, he's in jail as he's writing this. He's facing great trouble as he's writing this. But he's also got great joy as he's writing this because he knows Jesus Christ and he wants to know him more and he knows that his life is going to end before long and he will see Jesus. So he says, I want to know him now. I want to suffer like he suffered because I'm going to be raised to life as he was. See, this is for believers. You have said at some point in your life, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've said, Jesus, I need you. I want to know you. And he came into your life and he changed your life. And you say today, I know him. But this is for you to know him in greater ways. There are some of you who still don't know Christ. You maybe know some things about him. You might be exploring him. You're saying, I'm checking things out, maybe trying to be good, whatever it is. But for you to know Christ will be a first step in this life of faith. First step in this new life. A first step for a life of all eternity. And so I would hope that you would come to know Christ as your Savior if you don't today. But in these times where we have trouble, and I want to talk about trouble a little bit today, I think when we are in trouble, those are the times we're most open to Jesus, right? When something happens, that's when you start praying. You're like, Jesus, help me now. And in those times of trouble, those are good for us because times of trouble would turn us to Jesus. In times of trouble, we would start to see who Jesus is. Jesus had said things like this, I am the bread of life. Jesus says this. He says, I want you to know this is, I provide nourishment for your soul. And when your soul goes empty and hungry, you would turn to him. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He's the one that removes the scales off of our eyes to help us to see that we would need him, that he is the answer. Jesus said things like this, I am the gate. I'm the one who provides safety for the sheep. He said this, I am the good shepherd. I'm willing to lay down my life for the sheep. And he did this right after he, he said these things. And today I want to look at the words that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. From John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the context when Jesus says these words, and what is the reason behind saying these words, I find quite interesting. I want to share that with you today. Because he doesn't just say one day, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and life. There's a great story behind this. And his words, you're going to see, are actually very practical. For you today, you need these words that Jesus speaks In John chapter 14. I want you first to go back to chapter 13 though. Chapter 13. If you've got your Bibles there. Just skip back to chapter 13. Verse 33 if you would. When Jesus is talking. When we're reading this in John chapter 13 and 14 today. This is the day before his crucifixion. If you could just put yourself in his shoes for a moment. You know that tomorrow's the day that you're going to be crucified by the Romans. A very torturous death. And not only a torturous death, but you're going to be taking on the wrath of God for the sins of the world. Imagine that. 
that's what you have to face the next day. John chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus said these words to his disciples. He said, where I am going, you cannot come. Now imagine this. He's speaking of going to the cross. This is where I'm going. I'm going to go pay for the sins of the world. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Down to verse 36, Peter said, come on, Lord, where are you going? Where is this? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I I don't get it. I've been following you for three years. Why can't I follow you? Jesus has something in store for himself, and he's like, you guys can't follow And the words that we're going to look at today, Jesus spoke to his disciples as they faced trouble. I want you to hear this. Jesus spoke these words that we're going to look to today. He spoke to his disciples as they faced trouble. After three years of close friendship, after three years of an apprenticeship, of following this rabbi, of following this teacher, this son of God, after three years of following him, they're starting to ask questions like this. You're leaving us? You've said that maybe to somebody. You're leaving us? They started saying this. We can't follow you anymore? What are we going to do? They heard these words that Peter's going to deny you three times? What? Our strong leader, Peter, he's going to deny you three times? This was not good news that the disciples faced. This is quite troubling to them. As I was thinking about this, the human heart, the human spirit can easily get unsettled. The human heart can easily get troubled, can't it? Think of your heart here for a moment. Consider your own heart right now and answer this question if you would. What is troubling your heart right now? What is troubling your heart right now? Imagine you come here today and you've got some things that are troubling your heart. If you're taking notes, just even write it down. What are some of the things that are troubling your heart? Because when Jesus spoke to his disciples, they had trouble. And I want you to consider this because if you would consider your own heart, the words of Jesus will have a greater impact today if you would understand even where your own heart is. What are the things that are causing your heart to be unsettled? Is it your marriage? Is it your children? Is it your job or your future? Is it your health? Is it a recent death? Is it all of the above? You know, as I said this in first service, my heart was troubled over different things. And now, an hour and a half later, my heart's even more troubled over Jerry and Carol. And I'm like, I kind of want to leave you right now and just go over to the hospital and check on how he's doing. Our heart is, gets troubled easily, unsettled easily. What, what's causing your heart to be unsettled? And I want you to know that Jesus has answers for you today. Just as he had for his disciples the very day before his crucifixion. His heart is getting ready for this. Their heart is troubled. And yet he has words for you today with what's going on in your heart. So look at chapter 14, if you would. Chapter 14, verse 1. And Jesus says this to them, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
He said, I, I know you're asking a lot of questions. You're freaking out. You're, he- you're hearing that I'm leaving. You- you're hearing that you can't follow me anymore. Let not your hearts be troubled. Whatever you're going through right now, let not your hearts be troubled. And Jesus says this, believe in God, believe also in me. Simply, his remedy for a troubled heart is this, believe in God. Believe in God. Now, you might think that's a pretty simple answer, but it's a very profound answer. Jesus' remedy for a troubled heart is believe in God. This, though, wasn't just his message. He wasn't just preaching and saying, listen, you guys, just do this. I want you to know this is more than a message from Jesus, but this is where Jesus had been. This is where Jesus had been with his own heart. Go back to chapter 13, verse 21, if you would. Look at this, chapter 13, verse 21. And after saying these things and talking about being betrayed and things like this, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. Jesus was troubled in his spirit. And he testified, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. He's eating a meal with him and he says this, I'm troubled because one of you who've been with me for three years, one of you will betray me and it won't be good for you. And, it won't be, and it's just going to lead down here. Jesus' heart is troubled. And Jesus, with his troubled heart, he knew that the answer for him was to trust in the Father. He said, I have to trust in the Father. I have to believe in him. So later, after he gives troubling news to his disciples, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Believe in him. Because I've been there too. I've been there recently. I'm there right now. And the question for Jesus and the question for his disciples and the question for you and me even this morning is this. Will you believe in God? Will you believe in God? Will you trust the goodness and the providence of God? Will you trust that he is in control? Again, with this news with Jerry, I'm like, well, what happens if this really goes bad? I mean, do I trust that God is in control? Do I trust in the goodness of God? I'm not sure what other news is going to happen today or next week or what phone call I might get tomorrow morning. Will I believe in God? Will I believe in His goodness? Will I trust that He is in control? Will you? I want you to know that Jesus did trust. He did believe. As He made His way closer and closer to His own crucifixion, He continued to believe. And the remedy that Jesus speaks for his disciples with a troubled heart is, I want you to believe in God. Trust in him. Now I want you to read with me some of these verses. As we read these, we're going to see reasons that Jesus gives for trusting in God. Some of these answers are just beautiful reasons to trust in this God as Jesus is talking about. Verse 1, follow along with me again as I read this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? I want to give you the first reason to believe in God and not be troubled is this, that the Father has a place for you. The Father has a place for you. He does. 
Jesus says, I want you to know this. Though he says, I'm leaving, I want you to know that the Father has a place for you. As a son, as a daughter, in the family of God, he has a place for you. In his home. Not just some place he's renting out and you have to be down the street. In his home, you have a place with the Father. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. First of all, I want you to know, as a child of God, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you have a place with the Father. I I want you to let that truth settle in. You here, consider your trouble for a moment. Here are all of my troubles. And yet, here is this amazing truth that Jesus says, the Father has a place for me. I mean, these troubles, they hurt. They're going to last a while. It's going to be a cross that you have to bear for a while. But he says, here's this great truth to know that the Father has a place for you. I don't have to let my heart be troubled. I can believe and trust in God because I matter to him. Do you know that today, that you matter to God? Even in the midst of your trouble, you matter to him. And one of the reasons he says don't be troubled is because the Father has a place for you. Look at verse 1 again, if you would, with me. Let not your hearts be troubled. I would hope that you would get this message. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Second thing I want you to consider here, reason to believe in God and not be troubled, is this. Jesus is doing the work for you. This is amazing news. Jesus is doing the work for you. Look at verse 3 one more time. And if I go and prepare a place for you. Jesus saying, I'm doing the work for you. This is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is doing the work for you. He's looking ahead to the cross and saying, I will be preparing a place for you. Through my body, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm doing all of the work. See, religion would say, you do the work, you try really hard, you get really good, and maybe one day you might amount to something. One day you might meet the standard. Jesus says, no, you can't. I'm going to do the work for you. I'm going to prepare the place for you. And he has the cross in mind the very next day. Jesus did the work. We get in on it. That is good news. I remember hearing when I was a kid this phrase, no free lunches. You hear that, right? No free lunches. You're going to have to work for this. You've got to earn it. Nothing's going to be handed to you except the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't work for this one. It is handed to you. If you're sitting there saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try to show God that I'm good enough. I'm going to get clean and sober long enough that God will be impressed. Listen, you can't. He's only impressed by the work of his sinless son. There is a free lunch. In fact, it's more than a free lunch. It's a free buffet for all eternity, right? And this is what Jesus offers to you. And Jesus says, I am doing the work for you. Remember hearing a kid's song and it said this, he paid a debt he did not owe and I owed a dead debt I could not pay. Wow. Isn't that it? He paid a debt he did not owe. It was mine. 
And I owed a debt I could not pay. And Jesus says, I'm going to do the work for you. So don't let your hearts be troubled. I know that you're going through things. I know that you don't like this idea that I'm leaving you. But here's the deal. I'm doing the work for you. Because you couldn't do the work. You could not save yourself. And on the cross, he bled and he died and he was paying the way for our sins. And he was opening up heaven's gates for us. And so to attain this child of God status, it's not you trying harder. It's not you saying, okay, God, this week I'll get it right. Listen, that's good that you would pursue God. And it would be good that you would say, I'll get back to reading my Bible and talking to you and and things like that. But listen, you rest on the finished work of Jesus Christ. When he's on the cross, he says these words, it is finished. The debt has been paid. It's done. He didn't say, you know what, I've kind of done half of it. Now you do the other half. He said, no, the debt has been paid. It's done. And Jesus says, I want you to know this so that you will not be troubled, so that you would believe in me, that you would believe in God. Verse 3, look at this again. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I want you to look at these words, consider these, because I I think another reason to believe in God and not to be troubled is this, that Jesus will take you to himself. This is pretty fascinating. That Jesus will take you to himself. We talk about dying, and when we die, as believers in Jesus Christ, we go to heaven And in heaven we think maybe what? Streets of gold and a time to rest and certain reunions and things like that. And it's like, man, that will be good. Get rid of this life, right? But when Jesus talks about this, he says, here's what's going to happen. I am going to take you to be with me. This will be better than gold streets. This will be better than any rest you could get. This will be better than any other reunion you think you're ready to have. Jesus says, I'm going to take you to be with me. That's what actually makes heaven paradise. That we get to be with Jesus. This is the one awesome reunion. And this is why we're called to know Christ now. The one who's going to take you to himself, get to know him now. The reunion that you're going to have, get to know him now in greater ways. Because he says, I'm going to take you to be with me. Now, honestly, when I think of heaven at times, Gold Street sound pretty cool. Rest, oh my, that sounds good, right? Reunions, that sounds good too. I look forward to seeing my dad, looking forward to seeing some people who've been part of Willamette Community Church and other relatives and saying, I'm looking forward to seeing those people. But then I forget sometimes that the greatest reunion, it'll be like, hey, Dad, good to see you. Grandma, good to see you. But really, the one who saved me is the one I'm looking forward to seeing. I forget that sometimes because I spend a lot of time with Dad or Grandma or things like that. 
But they didn't save me. They didn't rescue me from darkness. Jesus did. And he says, I don't want your hearts to be troubled right now because part of this good news, part of this reason to believe in God is that I will take you to be with me. What a great place this is going to be. I think about Samuel in Sierra Leone. He's with Jesus. What a great place to be. For those of you who know him, Jesus says, I I don't want you to be troubled now because I'm going to take you to be with me. Look at verse 4, if you would. Verse 4. And you know the way to where I'm going, Jesus says to them. Fortunately, Thomas speaks up and said, Lord, uh, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? uh, We're really not sure. Verse 6, Jesus said, so I am the way. I am the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. It's as if Jesus says, I want you to know this, guys. Tomorrow, I'm making the way possible. Tomorrow, through my death, I am making the way possible so that you can have access to the Father. Tomorrow, you're going to see that everything I've said is true. Tomorrow, you are going to see that life comes through death. And that is true life. And so, Thomas, I want you to know that I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Write this passage down, if you would, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Peter says it this way. He says, for Christ died for sins. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ died for sins. Once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. When Jesus starts talking about being the way, the truth, and the life, he says, here's what I know is going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to bring you to God. Like you've never had before. I'm going to secure something for all eternity. My death will pay for your sins. When I rise from death, I will destroy death. I will reign victoriously. But it's going to be this way. I'm going to show you this truth. And I'm going to show you what life is all about. As I look at these words of Thomas... I think it's kind of interesting that he admitted he didn't know where he was going. He's like, I don't know the way. I then started thinking of myself and guys in general. When we get lost, we don't ask directions, do we? All right? How many times my wife said, just stop and ask for directions. And I'm like, no, just turn on the GPS. I know some of you wives are doing this. It's funny. I wish you could see what I could see. Okay, but... (laughs) Why don't we ask for directions? A lot of it has to do with pride, right? I can do this on my own. I can do this on my own. I'm glad Thomas said, I don't get it, Jesus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And as I started thinking about this, is why do some people just say, I don't need Jesus? Why do some people say, I don't need help? I'm good enough. I'll be good enough. I don't need your God. Why do people say that? I think it's the same reason we don't ask for directions. It's pride. It's just like, I can do this on my own. For those of us who are believers in Jesus, we got to a point sometime in our life where we were humbled enough to say, I need God. 
I realize I can't save myself. I realize I can't get out of this on my own. And we humbled ourselves. We swallowed our pride. And I would ask all of you that are trying to do this on your own to swallow your pride and say, you cannot do this on your own. You cannot come to God on your own. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And to humble ourselves and say, Jesus, I need you. Because every single one of us need him. Before you were a Christian, you needed him. But now that you are a Christian, you still need him. Say, Jesus, I I need you. Show me the way. Show me the truth. Show me life. And so to believe in God is to choose his way, to choose his truth, his life. Let's go down to verse 8. Philip then interjects one of the disciples, and he said to him, Lord, show us the Father. You've told us these things. You've told us to trust in you and believe in you and not to have a troubled heart. But would you show us the Father? And that would be enough for us. I hear that you say that you're going. And I hear you talking about one day we have a place with God. How nice is that? But would you show us right now the Father? Look what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? There's something about knowing Christ here. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Verse 16. Skip down to verse 16, if you would. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You see, in these words that Philip stated here, what he wanted is he wanted the Father. He wanted something right here, right now. Jesus says, I'm leaving. And Philip says, well then, I want something now. Show me the Father right now. I like the truth that one day I have a place prepared for me. That's good news. And I have one, I appreciate the good news that Jesus, you're doing all the work. And I appreciate all the good news, Jesus, that one day you're going to take me to be with you. But right now I need something. And Jesus says, I want you to know this, Philip. Me and the Father were the same being. I imagine that blew Philip's mind a little bit as it does ours. Jesus and the Father, the same being. And Jesus says this, I'm going to leave. But here's the deal. I'm going to send my spirit so that God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit will be with you now and always. I hear what you're saying, Philip. The future truth is good, but I understand that you want something right now. You see, there's hope in the midst of your trouble. And what I've shared with you right now, it's futuristic. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God because one day he's got a place for you. Okay, that's good news, but that's way down the road, maybe. Or thank you for the good news that you did all the work. That's good news, but that that was something you did a long time ago. Or thank you for the good news that you are going to take me to be with you. But Jesus, I need something right now. 
I don't know if you're in that boat sometimes. In the midst of your trouble, you're saying, that's good news for the future, but I want something right here, right now, right? Jesus, what what can you give me right now? And I want you to know there's actually good news today with your trouble. Good news for the believer in Jesus Christ today with your trouble. You see, Jesus calls us to believe him, to believe God, not to be troubled, because through the Spirit of God, the Father is with you right now. He says, when I give you the Spirit, everything you want, me, the Father, all of that, it's with you right now. So you and I, when we have troubles, we say, God, thank you for the good news that I'll get to be with you. Thank you for the good news that you did all the work. Thank you for the good news that you are going to take me to be with you. But what, what about today, right now? I'm struggling. I got trouble right now. What do I get from you right now? And Jesus says, you get me right now. Not one person to share amongst many on this planet, but one spirit of this same God into every single one of you who believe in Jesus. This is what you get. So you have God as your helper right now. You do. You have God as your counselor right now. You have God as your advocate right now. Let not your hearts be troubled then. You believe in this God. You trust in Him because you have Him right now. I I know that you face trouble and, and it gets overwhelming at times. I want you to hear these words of Jesus. Look at verse 1 again. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Whatever it is, all of those things, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. There are some great things coming down the road for the believer in Jesus Christ. But he says, even right now, I've given you my spirit. And actually, this is why I'm leaving. I'm leaving so that I, I'm not leaving you as orphans, but I'm going to send my spirit so that I can be with every single one of you all over this planet. And as we leave here today, this afternoon, God will be with you, child of God. And so my prayer for you is this, that you would continue to know Christ in greater ways. So that you would turn to him with every trouble you encounter. This is my prayer for you, that you would turn to him with every trouble you encounter. Knowing that, yes, he's promising me great things. He has done all the work, but he's with me right now. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. And if you would believe in him, then you would turn to him every single trouble that comes your way. I don't know what they are, but I know the God that will be with you In all of these, may you know him in a greater way. As he says this, as Jesus says this, he knows that the cross is coming. And he knows that he's going to make the way possible for you and me, if we would choose to believe then, to have this forgiveness applied to every single one of us. 
This is one of the things we remember when we take communion. This is how we're going to close today. We're going to take communion again. And remember this great gift that because Jesus faces that trouble of the cross, we get relationship with God. Because Jesus goes away, we get the Spirit of God so that He's with us always. I would hope that even as we take communion today, you would exchange your trouble Just with the imagery, lay down your trouble first. I'm exchanging trouble for Jesus. If you're a believer in him, I invite you to go to one of these four stations. Lay down your trouble. Pick up the bread, symbol of his body that was shed, broken for you. Take the cup of juice, which is the symbol of his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And you're just saying, I'm exchanging my trouble for you again. Because he said, this is what I did. I exchanged my sinless life for your messy, sinful one. What we're going to do in just a moment after I pray is we're going to have prayer people at each station. And they'll pray for you. If you want to share your trouble, let them pray for you. But grab a piece of bread. Grab a cup of juice. Go back to your seat. And say, Jesus, I don't want my heart to be troubled. I want to believe in you because you went to the cross for me. You faced trouble so that I could have hope. I want you to remember this as you do this, though. Jesus did not just die and stay dead. That's just part of the story. The part of the story is he comes out victoriously, doesn't he? And because he comes out victoriously, he sends his spirit, and his spirit is with you. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, for I'm with you right now. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me and pray. Reflect on this gift that God has given to us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this plan that you had to save sinful people like myself. And what I now get to call my brothers and sisters here and all over this planet. Jesus, I I thank you for your courage and your obedience and, and your words. Even though you were troubled, you trusted the Father. And then you said, don't let your heart be troubled. And you showed us the extent of your love. And so today we even want to exchange our troubles for your life. Just again to say we believe in you. Jesus, I thank you that you finished the work on the cross. You said it is finished. It is paid in full. It is done. And we get more than a free lunch. We get eternal life. We get life with you. We get a place in the Father's house. We get our debt paid. We know that one day we will be taken to be with Jesus. And we know that right now we get you with us in the midst of our troubles. So we say thank you. And as we eat and drink, would you... Help us to fall in love with you more. Would you help us to commit our lives to you more? Would you help us to know you in greater ways that it would cause us to be a greater light 
for your glory this week. God, for those that are here today, and maybe even for the first time, they just want to say, you know what, I need this Jesus. Would you cause that person to say, I need you, Jesus. And I thank you, God, that you enter the life of every person who says, I need you. I know that I have sinned against you. I need you. And you make us new. And you give us hope. And you give us a life that says we don't have to be troubled. We can believe in you. So thank you for that promise. Thank you for your love. We love you because you first loved us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.